In a world full of movie podcasts, here is one more. Welcome to Defend Your Movie with Sean Donnelly and Andrew Fiore. The time has come again. A champion must everybody, welcome to another fantastic edition of your favorite podcast and mine. It's Defend Your Movie. I am one of your co-hosts, Mr. Andrew Fiore, along with my very, uh, my very caffeinated, my very... <laughs> no, I'm quench. not caffeinated. You, oh, that's not caffeine? No, oh, it's that's seltzer. seltzer. Oh. Sugar, I just had some M&Ms. The very sugared. But I'm off the soda and I'm off the uh, beer right now. Oh, because you're sweet enough, buddy. I thought... <laughs> Of course, that voice you hear, my co-host and my pal, Sean Donnelly. Yay! Hello there, Defenders. Hello there, everybody out there that's listening. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us. We really, really appreciate it. Um, uh, Andy, uh, Andrew, I should yes, say, sir. how was your week? What's going on? It What's was the story? Good. It was a, a kind of a, a good week so far. Um, I'm knee-deep in Playoff baseball, go Yankees. I know that's going to irritate some defenders out there, but you know, you grow up where you grow up and you root for who you root for. Yeah, but you are like a diehard Yankees fan. I'm a diehard sports fan when it comes to my teams. Yes. That is true. And you love the Yankees. And are they, did they lose yesterday? I believe they, they did, did lose. Currently, they are down. They have a rain out today. Uh, yeah. And they are the next game will be game four. They're down two to one. Not the end of the world by any stretch of the imagination. No, it's just that uh, they're playing a very well staffed Houston Astros team. Very good pitchers. So it's like nobody's out injured, basically. Yeah, yeah, that's it's, what you're saying. Right. It's gonna be uh, it's gonna be a tough hill to climb, but they can do it. They re- they act they really can. So great. Uh, I love fall baseball. I love just this time of year. It's a fun time. It's a great time to uh, watch movies. Just curl up in a blanket. It's a little chilly outside and. That's oh, what I best. did last night. Yeah, you just kind of like you know, it's good. You, move. It's good. You, you hug time. yourself a little bit. You <laughs> yeah, get there. Exactly. You, you spoon yourself. You're the big spoon <laughs> and the small spoon, Andy. Yes. Uh, you're I'm right. One of those wooden spoons you use for stew. One <laughs> <laughs> of those cauldron spoons. <laughs> One of those witch cauldron spoons? It's a giant stretched out spoon. Uh, well, yeah, I, I, I agree. I think right now is like the perfect time just to chill and watch stuff. Um, you watched a couple things this week. Uh, first, let's, the one that we, we don't have in common. I mentioned that one. Which one All did right. you watch? I watched this last night. As I previously mentioned, I was just at home. I had the night off comedy, which you got to do sometimes, you know? I don't think people realize that. Uh, New York City comedians and a lot of comedians everywhere, especially New York comics, like we go, we do stand up every single night. Whether it's just like it's not like we're headlining every night, but we go out and do these you know fifteen minute spots all around town. Yeah, I think a lot of people realize. Like my family still doesn't realize that when they're like, "What are you doing?" I'm like, "Yeah, I have to work. I got to go do stand up." They're like, "Oh, it's not the weekend." I'm like, "Yeah, I know because we do it every single night." Oh yeah, yeah. They they don't get it. They think it's like. Nine to five, right? Right. Yeah. So it's important to take a few nights off for uh, to recharge the batteries. And I watched a comedy centric movie similar to what we do. It was Mindy Kaling's movie Late Night. Oh, okay. Let me. I was been wanting to watch this movie. It's a piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> 
I think it in my seems, opinion, of course, it seems like the weird thing is is this. Now, the comics. This, this is a, to be honest, I just posted something about this. When I, I posted a clip of Gerard Carmichael on Joe Rogan, and they're both talking about how comics shouldn't do late night spots anymore because it doesn't do anything. It's it's not natural for comedy, and I'm like, I. Could not disagree more. I agree, I agree but I do agree that the late night shows don't do what they did for comedians' careers yeah, anymore. It's not Johnny Carson, where you could yeah. get a sitcom deal the next day after having a good set on the Tonight Show, exactly, that, which was a true thing. If you did well on Johnny and he brought you over the couch, you, you were probably had you were going to have a good career. Absolutely, you, okay. you, you were set for at least a couple of years, whatever it was. You, you know, ten, five, ten years. Right. Because there was literally there's like what, what was it like thirty million people watching? Yeah. It was something yeah. insane like that. Now that's not the case anymore, but it doesn't mean that the late night set isn't an art form in itself. And there's not there's so many legendary ones that comics now, if they want to, if they want to attain that level of like a smooth. Uh, segued like perfect set like there's a thing to that I know a lot of guys that are great at it and they're and 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 there's no reason why like our friend Mark Norman is on like every talk show like 15 times right. every late night show yeah is it gonna help him like it would help Jerry Seinfeld back in the day no but he's, he's great at doing it he's got great jokes right so it's like you can't like Rogan like it, Rogan I think is great but I'm like but you I can't say comics shouldn't do it like oh what are they doing they're crazy for doing it uh, you know? yeah of course I think it's also one of those things too where it gives you something to direct people to you know it's maybe not gonna make you known as a household name anymore but maybe you're trying to get booked on the road somewhere you're gonna go well hey if you can send the booker for a club in colorado hey here's my late night set exactly Just send them a link to something yeah, it's always it's ridiculous to turn down things that are it's not gonna be i mean i can't think of too many ways where you're not gonna benefit from it absolutely i mean if you have an absolute bomb of bombs they'll probably cut it from the show do you know what I mean? Absolutely. Uh, well, I mean, I no, know, I, I, I know a have. few that are passable. That, like, as comics, you go, that was rough. Yes, there's a very famous, one. but that's with a that's watching it with a comics eye. And so I think to the hoi polloi, to the general masses, it'll still come across as, okay, we're not, they're being as critical or analytical as we are. True. There's only one that probably doesn't fit that rule, and there was from a few years ago, <laughs> and I'm not going to say who it is, but I think I know. it was a Kimmel, yep, and I'm I like, exactly even audience-wise, I would say it was a bomb. So basically, I don't see why, what I'm trying to say is that I don't see why it's not still important to have a late night set in, in comedy. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I think that's just for maybe people who have not done well or have rejected from a lot of late night stuff. It was Gerard Carmichael. It was the yeah, guy who literally was very successful. The rumor about that guy was that he turned down tons of stuff early in his career and right, it built right, up this right. heat. It's right, crazy. Right. He's a very funny guy. And Rogan, I think, probably would have had an opportunity to do it. I think um, Rogan must have done Letterman back in the day. He must have. Maybe. Rogan had a lot of early success with talk radio, so he might not have needed it. Yeah. You know what I mean? He was on a national well, whatever. sitcom. But I think... I just it, hate... It, it, the, you, what bugs me is this. You can't... You're a, you're a, you're a millionaire freaking podcaster and a, now a millionaire director, producer, slash stand-up comic, whatever you want to call yourselves. Don't fucking sit there and say that other comics that are f working for a living right. shouldn't do late night. And especially after all the uh, career milestones and whatever you've achieved and the tenure and length of your career you should know every comic has to find their own path their own way absolutely and every, not everybody is doing why, fantastic so every little bit helps right. the only advice any comic should ever give any other comic is get on stage as much as possible right and obviously that's not the only advice but like when it's 
comes to stuff like that, it's like everybody's got to find it for themselves. Right. But I'm saying one, one late even, night appearance could benefit you. It could not benefit somebody else. So it's you I'm can't just saying just business pick, you know, wise. That's right, what I right, mean. Right, I right. mean, like just just literally like career wise, what do, what might not matter for you anymore because it, you're you have sure, a different path, sure. like you said. Yeah, different stage matters for a guy that's going to a random room of next week. So that's you have to ha- keep that in mind. You have right. to keep that in mind. You know. So with that being said, this is late night. The movie is about a uh, Indian girl, Mindy Kaling, who literally works. <laughs> who at I love. A, yeah, she's really good. She was great on The Office. She yeah. works as like a, a in a chemical plant in Pennsylvania, or lives in Queens, works at a chemical plant, etc. The movie shifts into high gear diversity very quickly. It makes the uh, late night talk show all straight white male heterosexual writers writers room uh, of this late night talk show. It's Catherine Newberry tonight. Some it's, it's, right. it's a very Letterman. And it's, it's Emma Thompson. A female. It's Emma Thompson. It's a female David Letterman. It's right. an all white staffed writers room. She has been on the air for thirty years, and they literally need a, a, a female hire. Right. Uh, Even though the host of the show is female. Yeah, correct. Okay. The way it works is Mindy Kaling just comes in off the street with no comedy writing experience and automatically just uh, uses some sort of writing sample that she won an essay contest with where she was able to sit down with any executive she wanted and she got in with the executive because her parent company owns a parent company that owns the cable station that puts on the late night talk show. Oh. So she used this to get in and have an interview with... The head writer and executive producer of Late Night with Catherine Newberry. So, of course, the timing worked out perfectly because they need a female writer. And even though she has no comedy writing experience whatsoever. So this, all the, the evil uh, male all the writers. Are there. Yeah. yeah, so she's got all that working against like, her. You're going to give this job to a girl? Yeah. My boss, who's a girl? No, I, there's literally one scene where like three white guys come out into the waiting area. And one of the monologue writers' brothers right there, he's like, hey, man, nice to see you. You're shooing. It's great timing. We just fired a guy. It's like, come on. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's just like, yes. At so is one, that why you didn't like it? Because of all the tropes? Well, that was part of it. A part of it was just it wasn't just a good, it was just a bad movie where every yeah, little thing worked in perfectly. in and out of the theaters very quickly. Yeah. I mean, I stayed with it because it was like, I just like to see the way they recreate a world I'm a part of. Sure. And, you know, and the late... They so, always get something wrong. Yeah, they, they they touched on very little right and a lot wrong, where it's just like, you're just pandering to the way people think it is. Yeah. You know, that's you're pushing a different type of stereotype. Yeah. Don't you understand what you're doing? And then, of course, uh, they go through all the whole conflict and everything. And then uh, Catherine Newberry, you know, is, is getting replaced by this white, you know, really <laughs> dirty Daniel Tosh type comic. But that's not. Exactly. That's, yeah. It's ridiculous. That's Shawnee. not the way it's going. Exactly. <laughs> And then so she has to recreate herself. And with the help of Mindy Kaling, her new diversity hire. Oh, God. Uh, they turn the show around and literally the last shot is a pan through the all new writer's room where there's clearly diversity and there's <laughs> leg- I mean it could uh, it's just one of those things where like I think- go, right, can you be more fucking transparent in their pandering um, here's the thing about I didn't even see it but my issue with what you're saying is this 
when comics, the, if you're a comic that most comics respect, funny is funny. Like, the, right. like that's the thing. Like the Comedy Cellar where we both work got a lot of shit for a while. The people saying like the, the guy Bronham, who's a comic who I'm actually friendly with, a very funny guy, big 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 dude, gay comic, gave them shit for not being more diverse. But they've been diverse for years and years and years and years. So like you can't, you, there's no there there. You can't go for yeah, it. Yeah, and that's like you said, that's an outside. This he doesn't work there, and that's an outsider's perspective on what they think suits their image of this comedy seller. Right. You and I sit at the table next to blacks, whites, females, males, Absolutely. you know, whoever. Yes. And see, it's just, like, God, all right, come on, man. But he had issues. And there was like no the trans f- comics. And it's like, well, but then the average no, voice, We got one now. Yeah. Now, <laughs> now there is one. But but, uh, but then there's also like, at the time there was like four trans comics working in the whole business. And then right. Rich, he, and then at the time, Guy Branham had a show. It's my favorite thing ever because Guy Branham Bronham had a show on True TV, and they asked him, "Do you have any trans people on your show?" And he said, "No." <laughs> See, you can't do that either. You yeah, like, you have to. It has to be across the board. So it's one of those things where it's like. Everybody needs to fucking take a beat, and things are changing. We see it. Yeah, everybody sees it. Now, should they have changed? Yeah, you you want more inclusivity. You want absolutely. But the fact that like the way that, that show that movie is about ten years too late, because for the past seven years, <laughs> what's been happening is these writers' rooms have been. That, that's what it's been. It's been exactly. diversely higher. So it's like, that's not, you're right, that's not a mirror image of what's going on. And no. also, there's no way that one of the, that a, if it was like a, a Letterman type female, like it was like, say, uh, it was like Joan Rivers and her show kept going instead of getting canceled back I in the agree, day. Exactly. Like that kind of thing. There's no way ever that she would be replaced. If she was that much of a legendary comedian, Exa- oh, yeah. she would not be replaced. <laughs> of course. Not be replaced. Yeah, it would was not ridiculous. Would not was, I was just sitting there going, come the fuck on. Yeah. And by the way, it's like, can we just go back? Nobody, you, the, the people who scream and cry about this stuff the most are always the people who oh, is it why? Because I'm this? Is it because I'm this? Is it because I'm this? <laughs> well, then shouldn't it just be merit-based? Shouldn't you just get something based on the merit of your character and work? Yeah. All right. Then case closed. Yeah, that's absolutely. all we got to say. It's just, it's so silly. But no, it, in, it, in terms of the movie that you're talking about, it's just not the way uh, right. that it is. It was so far off. Comics, the comics I know are in support of comics. I don't care about, you know, no, you know, it's one of those things where, yes, that, there's stuff like that that happens, but but it's like one of those things where it's like, but that it's too, that, that it's, this it's, was, everything it's was so easy a. and it's, it was about as a G version of what a writer's room is. It's, right, right, right. Oh my That's God. funny. Yeah. And the other movie that you watched, we both watched it. We both it. watched this and we should mention RIP to one of the, I guess maybe co-stars of the film. Yeah, absolutely co Lost a great one last week in Robert Forrester. Yeah, Robert Forrester. Hey, uh, Jackie Brown. Favorite of Tarantino. I know, mostly from Jackie Brown. Career Resurgence, I think. Yeah, yeah. I think, he was a big, I think he was a big 70s guy and then sure, he came back sure. out. Uh, and he's great. He's badass. Yeah. He's like one of those, like, you want to talk about, he's like one of those, you want <laughs> uh, Descendants, he played, he was really good in, if you remember that movie, George Clooney, it was really sad. Oh, movie, was yeah. Really good. Descendants. He I forgot about that in-law. movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. He's a, he's a bunch of little stuff after after Jackie Brown. But uh, the movie's El Camino, the Breaking Bad movie. Yes. And what did you think? I thought, I, I thought it was okay. 
You thought it was okay? Yeah, just okay. I thought it was good. I, I thought, thought it was a good wrap-up. I'm glad that they gave... Uh, here comes a spoiler. They gave Jesse a happy ending, so if yeah. you haven't seen it, you, I just ruined it for you, but uh, you should have turned it off. I <laughs> And also, you kind of could assume that so was going to happen. The, yeah, exactly what I was going to say, is that I like when you have a beloved TV show that has a really good series finale like Breaking Bad did. You got closure on Walter. You had a little bit of... I think Jesse's going to be fine because it's implied when he's screaming, driving away in the finale of Breaking Bad that he's going to be okay. We don't need everything to be Spelled sealed out. in stone for us. You go, yeah, you don't need closure on something like that. Like you, Walter was the star of the show. He died. Yeah. Jesse was uh, 1A in that show. Yeah. But it wasn't necessarily his overall show. It was Walter White's show, not Jesse's. Jesse had a perfect ending where you go, I'm glad he got it. He's going to be safe and he's going to drive away and it's going to be great. That was why I was like, this was nice to be back in the Breaking Bad world. I felt good watching it. I go, oh, I I loved this universe. I loved the Breaking Bad universe. Absolutely. I enjoyed seeing the familiar faces. Sneaky Pete. Yeah, yeah, Skinny Pete. Skinny Pete. And uh, uh, Badger. Badger. So when I was watching it, oh, this this just feels nice to be back here like this. Yeah. But it was unnecessary in my overall opinion. I thought the flashbacks were cool. Flashbacks Um, were great. I I love the scene between... Uh, Mike and Jesse. I love that. Of the of, uh, Jonathan, uh, whatever his name is. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. that was right before, right before in the it, show when... When Walter pulls up. Yes, right? exactly. Yeah, yeah, right. Exactly. That's why it was so it, it was so important. Yeah. Like, you know. And then you have the scene with him and Walter at the end. That was really cool. <laughs> but I'm trying... Me and, me and Dan St. Dream were trying to figure out what timeline that was. Like, what cook that was after that he had a bunch of money well, in his Yeah, pocket. because it was still the trailer. They still had the trailer. They still had the trailer. Yeah. But it definitely was, it wasn't when the first cook happened because they would have no, not had money. No, I think it money. was somewhere early on in their relationship. Relationship because they still had the RV and he still had all the money and he was still kind of flashing it around. Yeah, like he hadn't learned to kind of you know be cool with his money yet. Right, exactly. <laughs> you also noticed. I don't know. I just saw Walter White coming to the hotel. And I went, "All right, Brainiac." I don't think he cut his shaved his head like he used. To. <laughs> if you go back and watch it, the bald cap looks really big. Oh, really? Yeah, it just was something. I was just like, "Ooh, that doesn't look right." It just <laughs> looked like his head was. I huge. think somebody mentioned that online. I was reading uh, about bad bald caps, and I was maybe. like, "What bald cap?" <laughs> yeah, but when he did it on the show, he shaved his head. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But the thing about it is, I. I'll tell you, and you're right. And when I first saw the finale of the Breaking Bad of the show, I thought Jesse Pinkman, he's fine. He's happy. Of he's course. gone. He's so excited. You know, he broke free. He's, he's like laughing, crying, whatever you want to call it, right? But I think it is it is realistic to think if you're really if you're putting this in the real world, and 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 it was always based in a pretty real. Like reaction time, real real response yeah, yeah. to what was going on. Like like Hank was almost going to catch this guy multiple times. The wife was mad right away. Mm-hmm. That's that's real life stuff. Where it's yeah. like she probably would have caught him right away. The second phone, she catches him with like four episodes or something crazy like that. So pretty, they had pretty real real world reactions to what was going on. So it does make sense to think. Why would you assume Jesse's going to be okay? Because he had he's wanted he's wanted for what he did, and then oh yeah okay yeah I yeah. Buy that. So so after a while, at first I said yeah he's going to be fine. So that's why I was fine with them continuing his story and getting him out of there. Yeah. You know? So you get closure on Jesse Pinkman. Um, do you think there's going to be any other no standalone no, stuff? No, no. I, don't I hope not. What else are you going to do? Like, you would do like what, Walter White's kid or something. I, you, 
it would be like so stupid. Yeah, but I read an article about a very early original idea was a way sadder ending where he, somehow he gets himself he's anxiety ridden the whole time and he, he escapes and he goes and he he just can't live with himself and he's it's much darker and he's anxiety ridden the whole time gets himself to the Canadian border meets some girl that he has like. There's a way that he can help her yeah. out of some jam, but he knows he's going to get caught. He helps her, he gets caught, and it ends with him in jail. But he's totally content because it's finally over. And yeah. Like, you know, whatever he knows that, that Skinny Pete trailer was not a part of the movie at all. Like yeah, I know. Pete it was and, just a trailer. Yeah. But but that was one of, the, one of the stories. That was one of the stories early on, and then he would tell people about it, and they were like... No, you can't put him back in a cage. You can't put the character back in a cage yeah, at the end to make that. But did you, he snapped out of that PS PTSD real quick. Yeah, yeah, he kind of, yeah. That's the only unrealistic part, I guess. He kind of he takes a shower and he's like, "What's up, guys?" <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a great shower. Really? Yeah. <laughs> That's one great shower. <laughs> Absolutely. But, like, yeah, you're right. Like, it would have taken, like, weeks, if not, like, you know, months to get out of, like, he would have been in, like, For sure. he would have been catatonic, probably. But, yeah. You know, unless you want to really go technical and you go, well, he wasn't always in the cage because they showed you the scene where he got taken out. Right. Uh, that knows? was fun. Like, uh, in. It was fucked. That was, that was a fuck scene. Yeah. That was, it, they really do a good job. That guy might be one of the best villains ever in a TV show or movie. Yeah. Jesse yeah. Plemons Jesse playing Plemons. Uh, Todd. Todd. Oh, my God. God, I know because if you think back to some of his actions in the actual show, you're like, he's just a sociopathic, hard, cold killer. He's a piece of shit. He, yeah. He's just a monster. But, but, but he just happens to be polite. Yeah, <laughs> like, that's his yeah. Only- he has this weird like his he's the type of thing where he's a sociopath where his logic his logic is skewed and he doesn't understand yeah. why it's wrong you know whatever yeah, yeah, it is yeah. and like he's not aggressive at all but he's just a psychotic and he and like even even that little tidbit that he had the tarantula that after yeah. he shot the kid he kept the fucking tarantula yeah like, oh I didn't put that together oh that's what that tarantula yeah, yeah, was I didn't remember the tarantula and somebody I'm, else online on Twitter or something said it's also it might be a nod to his Black Mirror episode. I never saw his Black Mirror episode, but for some reason it's tied into the tarantula terrarium or something like that. I don't but remember the, his. The, the spider itself. That's got to be the one from when he shoots the kid on the motorbike. And oh, that, yeah, of course. It's got to be. Yeah. And that's what they're trying to say. Like, look at this sick fuck. He kept the spider yeah. from that day as like almost like a, a serial killer trophy or whatever it is. You know, so... Um, it was nice to see uh, his, his girl in the end, like he imagined... Which I thought they were going to cut away. I forget her name. Jessica? No, the girl who you, okayed. Uh, her name is Jessica Jones in the other show. Oh, she right, plays right, Jessica right. Jones. I forget her name in the in the Wendy or something. Not Wendy. It's like <laughs> and Wendy's the crackhead. Wendy. I wonder. Um, uh, no, Wendy's the crackhead one. It's somebody you else. Might want to do something about that hair. <laughs> That's there Wendy. it is. There Wendy. it is. Oh my God, we can't go forty-five minutes without doing it. That's the sign for Wendy Malik, of course. Just, and then, and then Carol Leifer says, says she's right. <laughs> Who Elaine is based off of? Carol Leifer. Yep, exactly. Uh, but yeah, that was. I thought they were going to cut back and cut back again. It was going to be Brock's bomb. That's what I thought too. Um, which you saw him. Mail the letter to Brock at the end too. Yeah, maybe that's why they didn't do that because he mailed yeah, the letter to yeah, Brock. Yeah, yeah. So, but I thought you were going to say like, yeah, yeah. I thought you. Were, I think you're right. I thought it was, was going to. It was going to have horror. Because those are two chicks. Yeah, but apparently I didn't realize this. It's pretty great. The scene of him driving t- in Alaska when they, when he's leaving is the same angle as when he's driving off the yeah 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 off when he's in the cage. Yeah. and he gets set free. Same angle. Yeah, I thought, but I now he's nice. totally content. Right. Yeah. 
overall, like I would say somebody solid. Else, somebody else wrote, "It was nice for happy. I'm happy for Jesse and all, but how about that wonderful cable knit sweater?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got a great outfit on. It makes you want to move to Alaska. <laughs> And also, they kept the vibe. It was almost like they just continued the finale because they kept yeah. the vibe of the Western vibe they had in the finale. That's what the whole series is supposed to be, Western influence. So the fact that they had that shootout, that OK Corral shootout at the end with that dude, who you were like, yeah, I don't care if this guy fucking drops dead. Right, right, right. And, uh, and that they had the trick. That The trick with him with the gun in the pocket must have been an old... Western TV show yeah. thing, like a black and white Western TV show thing. I don't been. know that actor's name, but I love him in everything. The guy he's in. He, he shoots, was, yeah. He oh, was, I don't even know him. He's in uh, the Mick. He was great. He played Jimmy. Never in the watched Mick. it. Oh, very great, underrated show. Canceled ahead of its time. Um, and I just saw something else that he was in, and uh, but he always plays these great. Uh, oh, he's in uh, Righteous Gemstones. Oh, is he? Yeah. He plays. Oh, he plays the guy. That right. Oh my God, that's right. And he's always just realizing, I oh, got that guy's solid and everything. Yeah, he's great. He's <clears> really good <throat> actor. That guy. Candy in uh, Candy Welding. If you're looking for the yeah, guy that's we're what he's talking, talking about. about, yeah. But uh, uh, yeah, that's what I watched. And what would you? I'd say it's solid B plus for the movie. B plus sounds about right. It, yeah. Like I said, the, my favorite thing about it was that I just was back in that world. It's almost like, yes, totally. And it's almost like you're watching it just to make sure that something bad doesn't happen to Jesse. Like, you're I almost know. like, let me just check in on this guy and make sure that he survives and everything goes okay from uh, technically at the end. It was you nice, know? too, to see Badger and Skinny Pete using the money Walter gave them in, like, the finale. Yes! Was like, that was cool. <laughs> that was totally on purpose. And that was really fun. They, they, when the, the, if you haven't seen the movie yet, Badger and Skinny Pete are, like, playing. They have, like, giant video game chairs or, like, yeah, giant yeah. Recliners and they're playing video games in the house and they got like everything. They're like they're psychos. They have soap and stuff. They're telling about the when they're giving Jesse the towels and soap. They're like we got anything you need. You got your car noir. We got yeah axe body spray. Whatever you want. So, uh, so yeah. RIP. Overall yeah. R I P. Robert Forrester. He died on the day it came out. Yes. Yeah. So, I was talking to a guy last night and he told me that. Uh, and then uh, yeah, I I thought yeah, B it plus was, sounds right. I thought it was worthwhile. Definitely worth watching. Yeah, like, uh, yeah. I mean, if you're a Breaking Bad fan, you're you're gonna like it. There's a comic, you know, Jay Welch. I'm friends with Jay Welch. Is a comic. Oh, uh, oh yes. Yeah, you know, Jay. He wrote on Facebook. I kind of got a little annoyed because I was like, he wrote a, a status on Facebook that was like, if you want to see two back to back episodes of Breaking Bad, watch uh, El Camino. And I'm like, yeah. I, yeah. wrote, I wrote below it. I go, yeah, it sounds fine to me. And here's the thing. I made the immediate reference to, I don't know, I know you never watched it, but Deadwood just did the same thing. Only what Deadwood did was 10 years later, and it was too condensed. They packed a whole season into a two-hour movie. Right. Where it was like, yeah, this was about two more episodes of Breaking Bad just after the finale yeah same vibe same production so, value same whatever yeah. I understand people who like the show to stand alone I get that I understand like you don't need any more you want that to be the finale you want that but, but what else do you think this would be like you know what I'm saying like yeah, so you this, can't change the fucking production uh, uh, you can't, they can't now be on Mars or you already saw people are like a little heavier than they were from a few years ago <laughs> like Todd's older. definitely fatter like even Skinny P I'm like damn he looks a little bit you haggard even points Jesse for somebody who just lived in like a hole in the ground you're like oh, he gained that weight back pretty good yeah 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 <laughs> <laughs> yeah he seemed great he has for as much stress and anxiety as he's in that's the only thing I watched was El Camino I didn't watch anything else well yeah sorry we went long on the what did you watch but uh, again it was a big watch what did you watch week it was a big one 
on to, shall we get on to the meats and the peats? Yes, we shall. We have a great matchup this week. Do you want to tell people what it is? Well, I don't know why this idea got in my head, but I was just texting Shawnee on Monday going, well, maybe we should do like something obsessive. Like uh, the ones that came up was like just uh, people obsessive about other people, yeah. first and foremost, like Fatal Attraction. So we landed on two that I think match up really well, which is yours. Mine is Gone Girl. Gone Girl, the 2017 David Fincher? No, no, before that, I think. Maybe 16. <clears throat> All right, sir. And mine is the <laughs> 1991 Scorsese vehicle, Cape Fear. Yes. Two very different movies, but also they share that. They share the yeah, obsession theme. they share theme. the obsession, absolutely. And, you know, if you, wanna, if, you wanna, uh, if you want to figure out which one, you know, they both they, they both kind of illustrate obsession in different ways. Uh, which one Absolutely. pulls it off better? That's where it comes down to. All right. Which one pulls the better? What's a better movie? I actually I like Cape Fear. I watched Cape Fear a couple times. It's Scorsese. Uh, it's a remake, by the way. It's a remake. Um, and but it's one of those things where I'm not hunting it down these days. I don't like it. Doesn't I don't think it passes the flip test for me. I don't think it would. Uh, okay, uh, Gone Girl definitely would. Huh. I think Gone Girl might be a better script than Cape Fear. Definitely, um, the fact that it's that Cape Fear is Scorsese and not even close to one of his best things kind of factors <coughs> into me. David Fincher, Gone Girl is, 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 is he did Gone Girl, David Fincher, right? Uh -huh. Yeah, um, I, I love David Fincher. I've said it a million times in the podcast. I like him a lot. I like him a lot. <laughs> and I am a big David Fincher fan. I think he's underrated. I think he's a fantastic... You don't think he's rated? No, I don't think he's rated. I think that he's... as Put him up against... I'm sorry, I'm just directing. You put him against a lot of guys. He has his own style, man. He's not just straight down That's the middle. I think a lot of people who know no. movies give him the credit that he deserves. I, who gives him the credit that he deserves? I think in our ilk, I would. I certainly would. And for the reason you said, he's got his own style. He's pretty respected within the industry, I think. I think people who know movies go, yeah, David Fincher, great. But do you think of him as like an auteur? Do you, you don't think yeah, of him as yeah. the lines? I, you can put him up against Tarantino, I think. You can put him up against a lot of these guys. If you're stylized, maybe because it's a different style, Tarantino's more like, you know, he's a writer-director. That's when things yeah. get a little bit messy. When you're, when you're just a straight-up director, and like even even Tony Okay, you put him up against director-directors, director, and he kills it. He's better than Tony Scott. Remember when Tony Scott was around? Absolutely. Or, or even Ted Demi or Jonathan Demi, any of those guys. I think, like, Jonathan Demi's a perfect example. Okay. Jonathan Demi. Heralded as an amazing director, right? Yeah. I think David Fincher blows him away. I think he's much more crisper. Like, David Fincher reminds me of, like, a darker Coen Brothers, where he has these shots that are yeah, very I deliberate and, and very framed very well and everything. Like, you're watching it, and you know exactly who, who made the movie. So that's why I... I don't think he gets it because he's not uh, writing them as well. I don't know if you would go and watch Gone Girl and go, oh, this is an absolutely David Fincher movie. I don't know if he's got that signature style yet. Oh, I think so. I think it's just... He makes a great movie. Don't get me wrong. I think it's... I think I, for some reason... There's I There's a lot I, of directors I know who could have directed Gone Girl and been the same exact movie. You don't think so? No, I don't. I think there's like... There's this thing to it. Like if you look at all his his movies, like they have, I think it might be in the lighting, it might be in the way that things are framed, but it, there's it, it's they're very, they're almost very um very thrillerish. Like it's a it's like the utmost quality you can make a thriller. Like he's great at that. Like he's great at creating tension with with, the, with what what he's putting yeah, I'll give you in that. front of the camera. So like even if you look at Social Network, I look at Social Network and I look at Gone Girl and I see why they're from the same director. It's not, do you know what I mean? Like he is he even there's through lines in there of like 
I think of them as shot very similarly. Like I, I like or or name anything else that he's done. Seven. Seven. Seven's darker than those, uh, right. I guess. But wait, he did seven or he didn't yeah. he did do seven. But it's also from way earlier on. Like, yeah, things are gonna change like that. But I'm like but Okay, but but, but you still have that dark the dark themed putting a darker theme on regular on regular movies, like, All right, well, like I mean, that's why I think if other people like name another director, they, they did it. If you it might just come. What? Scorsese has those movies. You go. This is a Scorsese movie. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm relenting. What a point after there. hours or or yeah? But there's some. That's a comedy anyway. Yeah. Uh, I, 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 I'm giving Anderson. you a gift here. Take it. <laughs> no, I'm, yeah. Of course you can have variety. What I'm saying is but he's he's I, knocking up the level of like all right, well, like for, for the for how much okay, he's then let's put him head to head. Hold on, I'm not for how much he's what res- what he's thought of in, in in industry or how I take perceive of the director he's thought of. He's better than what he's perceived as doing. I think. I okay, think, so I, you don't you think I, he's underrated? Go. I think he's underrated. <laughs> yeah, right. So in so many words. Yeah. Okay, but if we're gonna do one for one, then. I mean Scorsese over Fincher any day of the week, but not with Cape Fear. I think it's I think it's Fair it has enough. that ratio Fair problem. Enough. You watch it anywhere else, it has that ratio problem. Okay, watch Cape Fear on TV. It looks cloudy. It looks uh, too close up. It, 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 he's, it gets right up their freaking nostrils at certain points. But you know that Scorsese, you can see those shots and those fast moving. But he fucked up close on that ups. One. He, it, it, But yeah, but he does that with Goodfellas too. But it's, it's knocks out of the park with that. But fucks up on Cape Fear. All right, then let's go cast. Uh, Nick right. Nolte, Robert De Niro, right. Juliet Lewis. Yeah, you're not gonna, you're gonna get me on, You got me on cast. <laughs> right. You absolutely got me on cast. A best actor nod, not a win for De Niro. Gone Girl, best picture not. Yeah. Best picture not. Also, not. Best picture nom. Uh, yeah. <laughs> a nomination <laughs> for the old Oscars. So you can't. You, well, Cape Fear, it might have been nominated as well. I actually. don't know. I don't think it was for best picture. Um. Uh. Plot structure, I think it's both takes a few twists and turns. Here's the thing. I prefer Cape Fear over Gone Girl, and I like Gone Girl, but I, like I will Fear. relent this point. Cape Fear seems a little too e- easy, convenient in a lot of its twists and turns. I give you that. Where well, it's a Gone Girl is a more, takes the more s- clever twists and turns. Right. It gets there in a, in a, in a more intelligent way. Where you go, oh shit, I didn't see that coming. I didn't even see the main because twist. Because you don't see any sort of twist for a good while into Gone Girl. Yeah. On purpose. Um, Cape Fear is more linear in the fact that it's this guy who, uh, for whatever, you know, Nick Nolte hides evidence against, you know, Max Cady, so he gets a heavier sentence. You know, he is a psychopath, but he knows that to get this guy off the streets, if he suppresses this evidence, He'll get a heavier sentence and be put away rightfully where he should. Now, he is is he justified in that? Yeah, I think so, because you see the actions of Max Cady throughout the rest of the movie. He's a you know, he's no, a killer, the, he's a raper, rapist. Yeah, but the question is, is like what did that but his revenge did that, did that make of, him like that? Oh, was, yeah, yeah. You can say that. The jail the obs- make him become and that there's person. The obsession or? in the incarceration, the famous the pull up scenes, you know. Yeah, the, yeah. And yeah. <laughs> that's a Seinfeld it's thing too. Absolutely, Jerry. Hello, hello. <laughs> <laughs> it's Uncle Leo doing push-ups. That's so fun. Pull-ups on the bar. Cape Fear has been referenced in so many things. Oh, it's one of the best Simpsons episodes. One of the best episodes. Simpsons ever. It's, and, it's, the, and I'll hands down. I'll get you. I got you on soundtrack. What that soundtrack? Cape Fear, oh, that music. Oh, 
That beautiful yeah, orchestral yeah. music. I don't remember a fucking yeah, they note both have from pretty Gone freaky uh, orchestral oh, soundtracks. But I I don't remember the music from I don't remember the music from Cape Fear to be honest. Oh no, you're yeah. right. It beats it. It definitely beats it because you're right. It's like it has it actually probably has a similar sounding soundtrack to like the first version of it because it's very <laughs> yeah, old. It's yeah, very yeah. older sounding as far as the movie goes, and it was made like what did it come? Was it ninety two or ninety one? Ninety one. Okay, uh, but. Yeah, here's but, uh, my thing. As I, iconic scenes, I'll give you this. Iconic scene wise, him in the movie theater, the pull ups, beat Gone Girl doesn't have any iconic scenes in it. There's nothing it's that got people the iconic like. uh, cigar in the movie theater, the laughter. That's what I mean. Do you know the mo- oh great trivia? Do you know the movie they're watching in the theater? No, what is it? Problem Child Two. Oh, is that what it is? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Prom Child 1, starring Kramer. <laughs> That's right. Michael and Richards. he's in uh, UHF as well. Remember UHF? <laughs> yep, I do. You're going to get the fire hose. <laughs> uh, so, but I, as the way you're saying David, uh, not Russell Fincher, Fincher is underrated, I think this is one of De Niro's more underrated performances. He got the best actor nod, but um, go back and watch. He does some crazy De Niro shit in there. And he has a southern accent, which you don't love. Yeah, I don't love that, to be honest. Well, then what are you talking about, then? I, just, I think it's an under... Yeah, but I, there's other aspects of it. You just said it's an underrated De Niro performance, and you're like, nah, the accent's shitty. <laughs> I got things I dislike points. about it, too. No, I know. I'm just kidding. But I... But I, I walk in contradiction today. I, uh... But when I think... I think of... I like I like the story way better on Gone Girl. I think it's I think there's because of the more twists and turns and it's more clever. Based on I enjoy yeah, based that on the Gillian more. Flynn book. Yeah. Who was very popular. She wrote Sharp Objects, the HBO sh- series. Oh, I Same actually, author. I win on cast. It has Emily Ratajkowski in it. <laughs> she is gorgeous. Yeah, all right. So, whatever. I know. Sexist. <laughs> Did no. you learn nothing from late night? I know. I should have watched Late Night for a lesson and then watched this. <laughs> uh, but I, I think what it comes down to for me is like one one does pass the flip test for me. One doesn't. Like I I don't think I would rewatch Cape Fear. I would Fair skip enough. Over. Would you? Does it pass the flip test for you, Cape Fear? Cape Fear does because I love Scorsese and De Niro whenever they team up. So it's just like oh, I have, and you know the other thing, Cape Fear's not on a ton, and I haven't seen it. As it's many. not on a ton. It's not. Um, but I, just but I like Gone Girl like, a lot too. You might have you might have swayed me on this one. Really? Yeah. Like I because I maybe think that's back, another thing where it's like it's. Here's it, the thing. I think it's it was a good remake of a movie in 1991, but like it has those things now. today where you go, yeah, but why didn't you just do this or just do this? And you could have saved a whole bunch of headaches. For, yeah. And I understand you got to suspend There's a lot all of that. Tropes. There's yeah. a lot of tropes in it, and it's there's just like the one uh, uh, Nick Nolte's like partner who Max Katie like assaults and like bites her cheek and rapes her. Yeah, she like doesn't want to come forward because she's embarrassed. It's yeah. like Ileana <laughs> <laughs> Ileana Douglas. Yeah, Ileana yeah. Douglas, Scorsese's yeah. girlfriend at the time. Oh, was it really? Also, a George Costanza girlfriend. Yes, she was. She's the one that won't let him break she's up with the other tan. one. Yeah, she's super, she's super tan. He goes, why haven't you ever dated her? He goes, she's too tan. He says she's too tan. Wow, what a fucking reference heavy. She goes, George, I think there's Boy, something this, here. Yeah. Yeah. I do too. <laughs> he goes, I'm sorry, we have to break up. No, we're not. No, we're not. Uh, yeah, oh, she was Scorsese's girlfriend during the time of filming? Uh-huh. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. She's actually a great actress. I, well, it might—it was during that time frame because Goodfellas in '90, then uh, what do you call it in Cape Fear in '91? They were together because you know. Oh, she's, she's in that too. She's Tommy D's girlfriend. Yes. 
you know. Yeah, yeah he won't let me look at another band. He's so he jealous. So jealous. Great. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so here you go. Eliana Douglas is. Funny who I'm kissing here. But but you also you might have one of the best things that Neil Patrick Harris has ever done. Like it's it's the opposite of what you think of Neil Patrick Harris for. He's a psychopath and Gone Girl, and you yeah, see yeah. him singing and dancing or playing the How I Met Your Mother or whatever it is. And in this, he play, he does a really good job of playing like a stalker, whatever you want to call it. Uh, and then it might be Ben Affleck's good in it. Uh, the thing uh, about Tyler ben Perry's kind of good in it too. He's great in it. He's <laughs> good in it. Feels weird to say. Yeah, because um, he doesn't do much like this. W- uh, uh, what is her name? Who plays his sister? Uh, it's a uh, more alliterative uh, name. N- uh, uh, oh god, she's great though. She's fantastic in everything. She was in uh, the other, not the others. Um, and she was in um, uh, the, the the guy the, the leftovers, leftovers, I, which I loved. And yeah. she was so fantastic in it. Yeah, Carrie. Coon? Yes. Is that her name? Yes. I don't know even know her name. Uh, so there's good actors in it. They're just not as legendary as Cape Fear. Yeah. Uh, and Robert Mitchum is in both. He's in. That's the, true. He's in both Cape Fears. Well, look at that for the Mitch. <laughs> the big Mitch. So did you come to the other side? What would you yeah, like right I now? Think I might have. This, is what, this is how I'll, I'll win it from you. Right now, we could watch Cape Fear or watch Gone Girl. Which one would you do? Cape Fear. No fucking way. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Serious. Because it's a classic to me. You just said how great uh, it's, Gone it's, Girl it's is. Not, that doesn't make Cape Fear bad. I, all right, well, maybe I didn't win this one. I don't know. I it's just think that. I guess also, because then Cape, uh, Gone Girl might be fresher. I Cape, I, here's one point I'll make, and then we can wrap up, is that I think once you know the twists and turns of Gone Girl... From the initial viewing, uh, it, it it doesn't hold up as much on rewatches. While it's a good movie that you can rewatch, I think you just it's like the Sixth Sense. You go, oh, it's still a good movie, even though I know that great outcome. But the first time you see it, you go, oh, awesome! I think the second, third, yeah. to whatever, you go, yeah, but I know. Yeah, you know? that's a good point. And also, but I will say this: one thing I do love is whereas Cape Fear, you you know, you're just watching it for the performances more and the story. You know what I mean? I do love that they do it, kind of. Um, Along, like they do it, but you're along with him for the ride. Like, oh, look how great! Well, I forget the woman's name. Who was like? She has some weird name. The, the lead actress, the one who, the Gone Girl, the one who. Oh yeah, what's I her forget name? her name. But I do like the turnaround on, on that character, and she's good at playing a psycho as well. You know what I mean? Like yeah. they have her all sweet and everything in the beginning, and then she full on becomes like this mastermind, and she plays both very Rosamund well. Rosamund Pike. Well, yeah, yeah. She was in something else too. I forget what, but she. Do you know what I mean? Like I, I think that's hard to pull off. Like the du- like the dual roles in a movie where you're like, uh, where where the good guy becomes the bad guy. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. out of nowhere, you show your true colors. So th- like that's part. That's another reason I like that movie. Um, I just overall, I think it's I, it's more fun to watch. I think I think it's because of it is a fun movie. watch. But you're that. right. The first viewing on that, you're like, holy shit. That's why maybe I am holding on to my brain more. Where I'm like, oh my god, I I got more reaction, and maybe because I saw it more recently. Maybe, I haven't yeah, seen Cape Fear that, in a while. Yeah, that always has a lot to do with it. But I do, but even years after Cape Fear, I wasn't chasing it down. Like I didn't buy the DVD. You know. Yeah, yeah. Like I wasn't like look like Scorsese. I I'm a you. huge Scorsese fan. It, people forget, forget it's a Scorsese yeah, movie. Yeah, but that's bad. That's bad for Cape Fear. And that's why I win today. And that's where we're going to leave it. And that's just saying that's Oh, you that. think Dutch took the win today? <laughs> the Breeze for the win! Oh, I'm Dutch, I'm Dutch. <laughs> you're Dutch, I'm the Breeze. Yeah, you're the Breeze. Dutch and the Breeze. 
<laughs> uh, absolutely, I won today. The Dutch, the Dutch in the breeze. The, <laughs> I forgot how fun it was to do. <laughs> it was crazy. I can't believe we didn't do it in the intro. I, we should have. Dutch in the breeze. So we you, need one of the defenders. I'm telling you, I know there's some talented people out there. Get on that logo. Please make a Dutch in the breeze logo <laughs> for the podcast. That would be great. It's just us with like like wacky horns and shit. <laughs> Dutch in the breeze. There's got to be a movie poster out there with like a, a so and so and so and so and so. Oh sure, that you could mock up. Absolutely. Uh, All right. Well, yeah. I think I changed your mind. If I changed your mind a little bit, a little I have bit. the same opinion. You didn't really because I like it's. You know that we run into this every time. Is I like both. No, movies. of course. But what I'm saying is, it, it's like it's one of those things where it's like, what's a better movie? I think Gone Girl's a better made movie. Like I said, that's Scorsese is finest. Nobody's going harkening back to Cape Fear for anything. Here's my. Here's what I. It's almost like he did as an homage, like to back to the original or something. I'll give. But you, he kind of didn't really. Whatever. I don't know. I give you the win based on this. I think side by side, Gone Girl is a better movie. You said it. You heard it. You heard the breeze. <laughs> there was a button there. I'm oh, sorry. Go ahead. If you're putting them up side by side, that's what we're doing. But if you no, because a lot of times it's the way you, that you watch them. So if you watch both of these movies for the for the very first time ever, I would give you Gone Girl. But based on on repeated viewings, I will take still Cape Fear. So Does that make sense? Cape Fear is better. But how many times in your life have you watched Cape Fear? Not as many as the other Scorsese. Maybe four or five. Okay. You've watched yeah. Gone Girl that many times? No, I've probably watched it three times or something like that. Or two, yeah, two and a half times. Better. It's a good enough movie where you go, oh, yeah, like repeated viewings. I think I that's where I'm coming from. I'm coming from a side-by-side. Let's, that's the way it should be, a first viewing. It should be to the person who hasn't seen it. So okay, it, it's we almost can, like we're giving advice. Right. It's like, which one should you check out first? Gone Girl. Well, because we used to do the flip test. So that kind yeah, of- we have the flip test. Oh, right. Okay. So that's, so that, that's two different aspects of exactly. what it is. So you're saying it passes the flip test, but it doesn't pass the first-timer test. Yes. Oh, there we go. Okay, that's a good way to put that's it. That's why I said but I, I do win today. That's why I said I'll give you the win, but Okay, okay. So I win today. It's greedy, the fucking Dutch. <laughs> uh, feels good to have a win. I feel like I feel like I lose a yeah, lot. Yeah, you don't win a lot. You don't win a lot. I don't <laughs> I don't win a lot. In life and on the podcast. Better hurry it up, son. I'm in Dutch with the wife. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thank you guys so much for listening. Thanks for listening, guys. Uh, Andy, do you want to uh, plug anything there? Uh, you can check out my live radio show every four p- uh, every Thursday at 4 p.m. on Sirius XM 99. It's the Raw Report. Uh, dates coming up November 7th, 7 p.m., headlining the Fat Black Pussycat at the Comedy Cellar. You go to ComedyCellar.com for tickets. And I'll be at uh, uh, Omaha, Funny Bone, November 14th through the 16th, and com for tickets. And I am at Shawnee Time on Instagram and Twitter, and you can see me Friday in Philly at a place called The Cave. Uh, if you know anybody who lives in Philly, tell them about it. Tell them to come down Friday nights. So you'll hear this in the day, and you'll tell them to come Friday night. Um, and, yeah, and I do a, a show on series every month. It's called Celebrate. I'm Raw Dog 99 as well. Thank you guys so much for listening, and we'll see you next week. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.